Hello, welcome to the Midweek Move, the show where we go through the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and discover the context and the meaning of it in a real practical way. Uh, I'm Dallas. I'm so glad to have you guys hit play, whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Facebook, wherever you found us. Hey, thanks for being part of our community. As you guys can see, uh, it's a little bit different. Uh, we're going through Acts chapter 13, and you know, Paul and Silas, they, they did a, uh, a move of their own, so we decided to make a move to McKinney, Texas. I'm here with Pastor Scott, our lead pastor of The Healing Place. How you doing, Pastor? Doing good, Dallas. Awesome. We have a special guest. This is uh, a, uh, a world traveler. He's a, he's a pastor. He's a philanthropist. And he does all the kinds of things that I don't even know because he just does so many. Mike Conaway. How you doing, sir? Doing great. Great to be here. <laughs> so glad to have you here with us. Uh, welcome to the Midweek Move. We are really excited to have your, your voice here. Uh, part of what we do here at the Midweek Move is we're real intentional about making sure other people are heard that have a insight to different areas. Last week we had Cassie Hammond, who runs the hub, talking about, or not last week, a couple weeks ago, talking about uh, reaching people who just the world doesn't want to see. They don't want to yeah. know. And she was a perfect voice. And I really think that you're going to have some great insight today of what we're doing here with your own voice, your own insight, where you've been as a, uh, you've been a pastor, you you do public speaking, you've you've led like meetings. That pastor was telling me, you led something with like, uh, like all these uh, corporations also. And yeah. so uh, I'm really excited to have your voice here today. And I hope that you guys are excited about it too. But let's jump into it, guys. We're in Acts chapter 13. And uh, starting in verse one, it says this. Uh, now there were now there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers: Barnabas, Simon the who was called Niger, uh, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon, a, a long life friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy the Holy Spirit said, "Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them." Now this is I want to pause right here because it's interesting because sometimes we see people who are in leadership and they go out and they do stuff. Uh, and there's a question of why are you out here doing this? I feel like here we see a, a, a great template of what it means to be called to ministry. What are you guys' thoughts here on this verse right here? Well, let me just jump in on one thing that, that, that grabbed me. Um, and I, I would say it this way. I don't think I've ever really seen this before. So that's, I always like that when everyone's because yeah, yeah, I've been yeah. doing this for a long time. We have yeah, a few moments you know, like that. Yeah, three, <laughs> you know, 35 years of pastoring and, and traveling around the world. So, I use, you know, pretty soon you kind of think you've heard it all. Yeah, right. And then all of a sudden God just goes, what? That's just acts. How could I hear something new again, right? <laughs> that's right. And it just is really a testimony to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives if we stay sensitive at any age or any amount of knowledge you may have. Absolutely. And I love this, this thought that he starts off with that in the church... You know, if you take the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, we kind of live in a pretty much a pastor's world. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Right? Yep. And in the 80s, we used to have evangelists, but then a few things went crazy, so nobody wants to use that term anymore. <laughs> They're guest speakers now. Right? They're guest, guest speakers, speakers. <laughs> yeah. I've been that guy, right? It's like evangelist. You know, I always thought if I was going to become an evangelist, I'd change my name from Michael Conaway to Michael Money. <laughs> That's a great name, wow. isn't it? Evangelist. Wow. Wow. Michael Money. He said it. Uh, right? Did so, you go there? <laughs> you went there. Wow. So I thought it was interesting that in the New Testament, when they picked the two big words, it was teacher and prophet. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that something? So they were thinking, yep. there's all these guys, teachers, prophets. And then, of course, we know, like Paul's an apostle, and we know all this stuff, and there's pastors, and we get all that. But the New Testament paradigm mm -hmm. in the early church was this idea of, you know, you've got guys that are being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and, and God is speaking through them prophetically. And then you've got guys that are teaching and probably kind of doing both. Yep. Because that's kind of what the church is built on. And so, although I believe in the fivefold ministry, this concept that it's for today still, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Um, I think it's interesting that all of a sudden, to start this off, they're in the book of Acts, and they kind of see the home base because yep. other guys are getting sent out, right? Yep. They're going to be doing some stuff, but the home base is kind of prophetic and teaching. And persecutions happen. Right. Herod's bringing violence. Yeah. Like all this stuff is coming down. And you would think in this tumultuous time, it would be the pastors. Yeah. Like the comforting, hey guys, you know, you're, Gathering you're everyone. awesome, yeah. you're yeah. amazing, you're incredible. No, it's the prophets and the teachers where the prophets are like, hey, none of that matters. What is the Lord saying? That's what mm. matters. And then the teachers come and go, okay, here's what all this means. It's like, um, and Dallas, you've heard me say this a million times. I need five voices 
mm-hmm. in my life. I need an apostle. Mm-hmm. I need a prophet. I need a pastor, teacher, evangelist. Apostle, normally they're coming, that father <coughs> figure mm-hmm. to be like, hey. And normally when you talk to an apostle, like a true apostle, they're probably not telling you they're an apostle, right. <laughs> yeah. but the fruit of their life is an apostle. Something is pulled out of you that you didn't even know was there. You couldn't put context yeah, to it, so almost good. like a parent, right? Yeah. So there are certain things that you and I can speak to our kids that nobody else can pull out of them what we can yeah. because we're their parents. Prophet comes and, you know, if you want to have a long conversation on the phone with a prophet, you're in the wrong place because <laughs> <Yeah>. the <laughs> prophet's going to be like, hey, here's what the Lord is saying. Click. It's like, oh, we're not going to talk about it? No, that's what the Lord is saying. Right. You know, a pastor comes in, talks to you about being a champion, and you're awesome, and you're amazing. The evangelist comes in and says, hey, by the way, you're spending too much time with church people. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you need to go to the lost. You need to go to the lost. And then the teacher comes in and goes, okay, here's what all that means, right? To give a little bit of context to what do you do with all that, and how do you take your next step? So I, I, I agree with you. This fact that... Right here at this point and context, it is prophets and teachers. Like, yeah. what is the Lord saying and what is our next step? I think, it's, I think it's amazing. And I think we're kind of in that moment now. Oh, no doubt. Right, because the, the world is in a crisis, uh, going through it, coming out of it, whatever we, you know, even when we come out of the crisis of COVID, and I, I'm believing <laughs> we will, um, and God is awesome, God has a plan, then all of a sudden, the, the body of Christ has been shook worldwide. Yeah, right? yeah, Right? We're no longer just going to the biggest church in the world t- saying, how should we do church? Nobody's asking that question from those churches right now. Right. Uh, I'm not, you're not, <coughs> nobody that I know is. Right. We're all saying, what's God doing? Yep. Where's God going with this? Right. And, and, and that's not necessarily a doctrine. That's a direction and a sense mm. of the movement of God in the earth. But then a teacher can come along and make sense of it because there are real congregations and everyday people that need to kind of know from the Bible in context to a crisis and a moment that we live in that in a sense, you could say it this way, and this is probably off script of where we want to go with this, so I'll just throw it out here for a second, (laughs) that that some people see this as kind of a, a, a pandemic and there's issues and there's Republicans and Democrats in Canada and Mexico and Europe and China or whatever. Uh, but I see this as ultimately an aggressive move of the enemy to try to silence and push down the voice of the, of the church, to try to persecute the church. And I don't mean that as a conspiracy. I mean that because I'm in it. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and, and most churches went quiet. The biggest churches, most of them went dormant. They, they, they closed for the longest. A few didn't, but most did. They had the most to lose. And then most churches, the everyday church, went, hey, forget that. We got to stay open. Or we're not even, we're, we, and they just kind of threw caution to the wind and trusted God and became the voice of what God is doing right now. But to the point, I think you are on point. I don't think it's off script at all that that's what's happening here. It's mm-hmm. not COVID, but it's persecution. Yeah. Yep. The Herod's violence <laughs> is trying to silence the church, yeah. right. trying to silence uh, the men and women of God who are leading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you have prophets. What is the Lord saying, right? And what is the Lord doing? And then you have teachers. Okay, here's what the Lord is saying. Here's what he's doing. Now here's what we're going to do. Right. And I think that's exactly, and I think it's incredible that you know, the last verse you read, Dallas, it said they minister to the Lord. Immediately when you see prophets and teachers, it's going to be, okay, what are they going to do ministry-wise? They weren't doing anything. They were ministering to the Lord and fasting. Hmm. Basically going, what are you saying? And what are you doing? And let's do that. And that's really, guys, that's what the whole midweek move is about. It's like, what is the Lord saying? What is he doing? Now let's do that. Right. Yeah, let's make good. a move. Let's let's take a step. Let's let's make a move. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A lot of great stuff happening here, guys. <laughs> All right. So verse three, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on, on them and sent them off, which I think is kind of what we're talking about here is, is that we hear what the Lord's saying. Let's pray and fast. That's preparing for ourselves spiritually. Now let's get out there and do it. Yep. And that's what they do. Paul and Barnabas, they set off in verse four. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, uh, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salmias, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews and had 
and they had John to assist them. When they had gone though, uh, through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Mm-hmm. He was with pro- the proconsul, which is basically the leadership of the area, uh, Sergius Pallas, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and sought to hear the word of God. Now, this is interesting because here we have a guy who's in charge of a, of a Greek area, a pagan area, and he's seeking uh, advice. He's seeking out who uh, really the word of God is, and but he has this voice in the background. We have Bar Jesus, which means God is basically proclaiming to be the Son of Jesus Himself. Um, <clears throat> Pastor, do you want to speak to that situation that everything? I tell you what, read a little bit further, Dallas, okay. and then I want you to lead Mike into the section we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. there was a, there's yeah. an interesting section. I think you have. Yeah, read that a little bit. Too. He doesn't know what's going to happen, yeah, but it's going to be great. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Verse five, verse eight. Uh, but Elamus, the magician, for that's the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who has also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You, son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And we're going to pause right here because... Uh, several uh, months ago now, you visited our church. And you told a really yeah. interesting story about uh, you're at an event of some sort. I believe it was like a witchcraft event or something. The National Witches and Warlocks That's Convention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. New Age Witches and Warlocks Convention. You had a moment like this where you yeah. kind of stopped right. the show. And could you kind of just talk about that and how that played out? Well, I'll make it brief, um, as good as a preacher can do. <laughs> um, it, was, um, it was actually the first ever... Uh, in Seattle, Washington, good right. place for this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, National Witches and Warlocks, New Age Witches and Warlocks Convention. And it was huge. I mean, it wasn't just some little thing in the back room somewhere. Right. It was at our big convention center mm-hmm. in the Seattle Center where the Space Needle is and all that. Yep. So there was there was at least 10,000 people there. I mean, it was a gigantic convention center. Right. And it was packed. And so I had a couple of guys from my church uh, come to my house and I didn't even know what was going on. And they told me what was happening and they were going down there to meet with Christians from other churches, you mm-hmm. know, and to not protest it, but to hand out tracts and, and minister to people and, you know, just try to stop some people from going in. Right. Cause this thing's just totally outwardly demonic. Sure. Right. Of course you can imagine Seattle, Washington, <laughs> right? They don't, they don't even care. And, um, and so I went down with my wife encouraged me to man, you need to go. Cause both these guys were gigantic bodybuilder guys <laughs> and they, they had gotten, they had really gotten saved at our church, yeah, but right, they yeah. were like literally ex killers. Right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, one guy had 21 inch arms, could bench 700 pounds. Yeah. Right. His name was shake and ended up being on the power team, being the strongest guy on the power team, you know, that yeah. did all the great things for, for, you know, soul winning in, in right. the nineties and two thousands. And, um, and so I went down with him and we ended up going in and, and just to kind of shorten up the story, uh, there's all these booths that are set up mm-hmm. and I don't know how many, probably 50 or more. Yeah. And, uh, and they were everything you could imagine. Right. Like from you know, crystal balls, you know, to tarot card reading, to one guy played a synthesizer and could yeah, read yeah. your aura, any imaginable thing they could come up with. Right. And really what they're doing booth to booth is they're in, introducing people to demonic spirits. Yeah. And people were just hungry for spiritual things. Right. Can't fault them. They're hungry. That's sure. Right. right. That's right. And oftentimes the church doesn't provide them anything more than a bad meal. Yeah. Right. And so these guys have a gourmet demonic meal set up. Yeah, yeah. And they're, you know, they paid their five bucks, went in, and they're going from booth to booth. And the first booth we go into is a lady that's teaching people how to channel. Mm, and yep. remember, if you guys ever remember, well, that's yep. kind of the Northwest and New Mexico were the two big hubs of channeling back in the 90s. And uh, basically, the thought behind channeling was uh, you could have some kind of ancient king or queen come into you and, and work through you and speak through you yep. and give wisdom to the world. And of course, we know it's just demonic powers, right? Yep. And, and the arrogance too, I always joke around and say, I don't know if I said this at your church when I was there, you guys' church, but I always say it's never like Joe the plumber from 100 years ago that you're channeling. It's always some lost king from Atlantis, <laughs> something grand, you know, to make people feel better about themselves. Right. But nevertheless, you're actually inviting a spirit into your yep. life. Yeah. Yep. And you're, you're purposely doing that by name. Yep. And so uh, I went up to this booth and, and there's this big board there, you know, with all the different things that she does. And, and then she had, you know, 
probably about 10 ladies sitting there getting ready to channel, teach them how to channel. And I walked up and I was in jeans and a t-shirt and I, a t-shirt and I had this guy with me that didn't, definitely didn't look like a Christian, just a bruiser. And this lady walks up to us and she goes, you're Christians, aren't you? And I said, uh, yes, we are. You know, and I always remind people that, that spirit sees spirit, regardless of whether or not it's evil or good. Yep. Right. The demonic spirits recognize exactly who we were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I looked at her and uh, she said this, she said, touch me. She, first, she said, I'm a Christian, right? And I said, I highly doubt that. <laughs> right. And I was trying to be nice, you know, but she goes, touch me and you'll feel the power. And so I said to her, I'm not touching you. And I backed off a second. Now, as I'm doing this, place is packed out. There's literally like a circle forming sure. around us like a schoolyard yeah. brawl, you know? Yeah. And it was hilarious. I even noticed it in the moment. Now it's know? not displays. It's actually a display is yeah, going on now. Right. It's exactly like a, right. It's like, is this a reenactment or is this <laughs> It's like... exactly how it felt. And it's yeah, starting yeah. to get deeper and deeper as I'm getting louder and louder. Right. And there's this obvious little confrontation because people are there to see spiritual things, aren't they? That's right. right. Right? That's right. That's why they paid their money. Yep. And I, you know, I wasn't conscious of that, but I mean, it was starting to happen. And so I, I, I said, well, I highly doubt that. She goes, well, check your source. He'll tell you. So I thought, what a great opportunity. Oh, <laughs> invited to pray. Right? <laughs> and so I stepped back just a, you know, a, a, a foot or two. And by this time, it's like 10 deep. And no exaggeration. There's no need to exaggerate this story. There's like 10 deep of people. And they're coming around like it's like, a, mm-hmm. again, like it's, we're ready to do this. Yep. And uh, so I, I just boldly, as loud as I could, I won't do it on the microphone, uh, but I just said, you know, uh, Lord Jesus, show me the spirits that preside in this woman. Yeah. Because that's what she asked me to pray. Yeah. Mm. And so I opened my eyes back up. The crowd was a little larger. And I said, God gave me three things. The first one is, is that the spirit that's in you is not your own. And now her eyes literally roll up in the back of her head. All we could see is the whites of her eyes. Wow. Yep. Which I don't <laughs> think, I think was to show the people around who she really was. That's right. Mm. I think she was no longer in control. Right. And, uh, and I mean, it was, I had never seen that. Because the it. Holy Spirit was confronting that spirit. Right. Yeah, I've seen that in movies like yeah, where Hollywood right. could do that, but not right. in real life. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so uh, she's shaking her head like this. And I, I had this thought. Uh, I, don't, I usually don't share this when I'm teaching every once in a while sharing this testimony. But I remember having this thought distinctly. Oh, I got her now. <laughs> Isn't that strange? And it wasn't so much me, but the Holy Spirit was, my confidence level was becoming not mine. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and I noticed that. Right. I was now just a vehicle. And I said, and secondly, uh, the Lord told me that you will no longer prosper from this moment on. And uh, and she's shaking her head because she's making money yeah. hand over fist. Right. Right. Teaching people how to receive demons into their life. Yep. And then thirdly, he showed me greater is he that's in me. Mm. And I made it personal than he that's in you. Right. And now I'm going to lay my hands on you. And you're going to feel the power. And I just reached over and bam. But I mean, I always say I laid my hands on her. But I, I was thinking just the other day, I was thinking, I'm, it's weird you guys brought this story up. You didn't prep me for it. <laughs> uh, because this has been a while now. It's probably been 20 years. And, uh, and, and I thought, I don't even know if I, my hand actually touched her. Wow. I may have, but I always preach it like I laid my hands on her. But really what happens, I move my hands towards her. Right. And as I did, man, she collapsed like dead. Not like... Right. You know, like I always joke around like a Pentecostal falling down <laughs> looking for a catcher. You know, like that. She just straight down to the point where it was like you could hear the crowd go, <gasps> like that. And, uh, and it was like she was dead. And all of a sudden, these guys came over all dressed in black, you know. And if you live anywhere other than Seattle or Portland, you might think, oh, come on. But if you live there, you go, yeah. no, they dress like that now, don't they? Antifa. Mm-hmm. It's the same spirit. Yeah. It's all witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And uh, people don't realize that. They just think they're, it's like they chose black, right? And they came over, picked her up, carried her over uh, to a table, set her on a table, were chanting over, and she was just out, right? And then a little old witch came up just a few minutes later because I was getting ready to go. This is the first booth. I got 50 more to go to, right? <laughs> and we're just having fun now. And the big guy that I was with when he came in, I'll just finish with this. When he came in, he was like shaking. Yeah. It was funny because his nickname was Shake. <laughs> and he was the strongest man in the world over 40 at the time. Hmm. So he was a real deal. He could bench 710 yeah. pounds. 
his trap started halfway through at his ears, for real. You know, it's, it's hilarious. And he was shaking. He actually, at one time, when, before we got to the lady, as we were walking, he goes, this is freaking me out. He was like shaking. Yep. Yeah. He goes, I can feel the, 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 it's just evil in here. Yeah. And I told him, I said, shake the joy of the Lord is your strength. Put a smile on your That's face. Right. You know, and he was like, you know. <laughs> and then by the time this all went down, man, he was flared up. He was ready to go. <laughs> right. right? And, uh, and eventually, you know, we, the story goes that we ended up leaving. They asked us to leave, and I made them pay us our money back. And, uh, and we walked out. The cool thing was is you could see through the windows. You could see this at least first few booths from the outside at this particular uh, uh, um, convention center. So all the Christians, there was a couple hundred of them out there, were watching mm-hmm. this all unfold as well. So when we walked out, man, it was just like high-fiving and people praying, and they got invigorated. And, and I don't really know what we left that room what shape we right. have. There's a right. good chance it just started right back over again. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, but I do know this, that when faced with, with the power of the enemy, many Christians, they just, they just, get a, they just are scared and run, yeah. yep. thinking that that's the end of the battle. Yeah. Right? But, but this was just really two men deciding to, to not just stand our ground, but to stand our ground in a prophetic moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. A prophetic vo- moment and be a voice. Right. That's the thing, is that you can discern something, yeah. but if you don't speak to it, right? That's one of the reasons why you know, Jesus, he rebukes the disciples when they come upon yeah. the, the, the kid. You know, he's right. laying on the ground, he's seizing up, and he's doing all this stuff. They come on the scene, and they allow the religious to overtake. They allow that atmosphere to overtake. They don't even speak to the kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're speaking to the argument. They're getting yeah, caught in the right. argument. And then Jesus comes... He doesn't even get in the argument. He just speaks to the kid. Right. The kid gets healed. And then they're like, why couldn't we do this? And he says, it only comes out by prayer and fasting. What are these guys doing? Yeah. First thing they're doing, they're ministering to the Lord, praying and fasting. And then this event happens and they can speak to it because they're ready for it. Mm. So many times I think as believers, we're not ready for the moment. We're just not Mm. ready for the moment. Mm -hmm. We're not ready to be a voice. And the only thing we have is an echo of something that we heard. And so any voice. Yeah. Demonic or stupid or weird or controlling can seize the moment. That's right. And yeah. take over the atmosphere. Because an echo will never confront the demonic. Yeah. It our, takes our politicians need to hear that. Oh. <laughs> a lot of people need to hear that. So, I know a lot of you guys, you're, you're listening to this, you're like, man, that's a crazy story. That's wild. That doesn't make sense. I've, I've heard a lot of people from Seattle tell stories similar yeah. of, God, of God just moving a miraculous way and the demonic happened there. Uh, there's a guy named Benny Paris who uh, I followed for many, many years. He tells a story when he was a youth pastor up there in Seattle. Very similar situation. We're dealing with the demonic. He actually had bodybuilders from Usher. So is that a thing in Seattle? Just you have all these strong guys up there? <laughs> there are a lot of guys. You know, the, the <laughs> USC started up there. Okay, this yeah. makes sense. It's tracking That's, now. So, but There's uh, nothing to do. It's cold, right? So you got to so work they're, out. They're working out. Yeah. <laughs> Stay warm. So but I know it sounds weird. It sounds strange. But this is stuff that we see in the scriptures take place. Paul's not just pr- uh, confronting him, uh, which is like, hey, stop that. Verse 11. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you. He's speaking to him, just like you spoke to that woman yeah. right there. Yep. And you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Mm-hmm. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him. Literally, he spoke what the Lord was doing. It wasn't about him. This wasn't him like, I'm Paul, I'm making this happen. He was speaking what the Lord was taking place, what the Lord said was going to happen, and it took place. But it's for a purpose. Again, this is real easy for, it was real easy for you to be able to go, hey, this is what I did. This is all about me. But it wasn't about you. Right. That's right. Verse 12, then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. He believed. He believed what was happening. He believed the Lord was, taking, was doing something great in that place. Mm-hmm. When you walked out of that place in Seattle, you had encouraged the brethren, probably even some of the people who were on the fringe about this witch they're like, oh, Yep. Maybe, maybe we don't need to be here. And that's the point of the acts of the Holy Spirit. That's the point of God moving our lives. It's not about us, which unfortunately people in our circles make it about us. It's about pointing people back to Christ, pulling them back to the Father for salvation, yeah. for hope. And what's cool is, is the proconsul believes by what he saw happen, which was the prophetic flowing through. Right. As, as they come out of this fasting and prayer, he just speaks prophetically into that demonic spirit. But then it also says being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Right. Even mm. here, it goes back to the, the very beginning. Right. The prophetic and the teaching. Yeah. Like, that's what reaches the pro-council of the prophetic <laughs> and the teaching. Right. And I believe that that's one of the reasons why it says certain prophets and teachers mm-hmm. 
Then they're prepared. They come out. The prophetic is in action. Like they didn't just talk about something. We're prophets and teachers. Mm. Well, and and just to you know, uh, put maybe a, a, just a little stamp on that before we move on. I think one of the problems we have overall in the body of Christ is we have the prophets over here in one camp mm. and the teachers over here in one camp. Yep. Yeah. Right. And so I don't deny that the teachers are great and I don't deny that there are real prophets. They have a tendency to not feel like they can flow with each other. Yeah. But the prophets need the teachers as much as the teachers need yep. the prophets. And mm-hmm. when they're partnered. Yeah, then it's then Changes demons do tremble and that's, shake. That's right, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Just like parenting, right? Yeah, yeah. Like we teach our kids, and we're gonna, we're going to teach them our ways, but we don't just teach them. We're sensitive to where they're at, who they're at. Now we're not God. Right. How much more? How much greater is it that God is not just trying to tell us some things and give right. us some rules and give us some boundaries and give us some teaching? But He's also sensitive to who we are uniquely and sensitive to to what maybe you know, might be something in our future. And, right. and then we're trying to prep our kids. Each one of our kids yep. is a little different. Yep. Can't just cookie cutter them all. Yep. If you're not careful, teaching does that. Yep. Everybody's exactly the same. And now they can't find their uniqueness. Good parents realize whether they know it or not, even when they're non-Christians, they're trying the best they can to be kind of prophetic. Trying yep. to, yeah. man, I see Johnny's this way and yep. Sarah's this way. And, and we gotta be, and if they miss that, that family unit is not able to go into the future, yep. the next generation empowered. It's almost like the father trying to impart something just on his own without allowing the mother to yeah. compliment whatever's, and vice versa. Or fatherless children. Not using yeah. their giftings together. And that prophet teacher, I'm like you. I, I've read this, and it's not that I haven't quantified prophet and teacher together, but today it means something yeah, a little yeah. bit different to me. I, I think probably... The word doesn't change. We do, though. The season that we're in changes. So when we read it, we're like, and when I saw that prophet teacher together, you would put prophet and apostle together up to this point. Isn't that the truth? You would put apostle prophet together, or you would put pastor teacher together. But here it's prophets and teachers. And I I really do believe this is a word for right now. I really do. I I Hmm. really do. I believe it's a now word. We're teaching. And this is prophetic. That's right. And it's prophetic. <laughs> yeah. I really do believe that. Good stuff. All right. Let's continue on. All right, Dallas. I know we're we're kind of getting into the retelling of the story. So if yes. you'll just kind of navigate us through this. Yeah, absolutely. I know we got a lot of verses. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you can navigate, because he's about to take them on a journey of retelling. It is a journey. Yeah. yeah this of, is like 50 verses. Of retelling the story. So <laughs> yeah. So starting up in verse 13, now Paul and his companions set sail from Pathos to Pergia to in uh, Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pasida. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. Now, it's interesting because this is the t- context of where we're at. He's with other Jews. He's in the synagogue with other Jews. After the reading of the Law and the Prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if, any ha- if, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and mentioned with his hands, uh, motioned with his hands and said, and I love this because he's taking advantage of the opportunity given to him. Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. So he's talking to a mixed crowd. It's not just the men of Israel, Jewish people. There's a mixed crowd here. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arms, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he went up with them into the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Cana, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man from the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior. Jesus, as he promised. So he's taking them from the beginning of the roots to the mm-hmm. middle of the story. Jesus is here. He's, he's declaring very plainly in the synagogue, hey, the Messiah, the Mashiach we've been looking for, it's this Jesus guy. And it's been proclaimed from the beginning. Verse 24, 
But his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me is one coming, the sandals of whom I am not worthy to untie. Verse 26. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterance of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath. Kind of pulling out the fact that they, they know this stuff. They're taught this every day. Fulfilled, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found him not guilty, uh, worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. Now, real quick, Pastor Scott, what has just happened here? What is the atmosphere in the room for the people here? Yeah, it kind of goes back to Peter with Cornelius, and then he goes back and he retells the story. Again, that 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 inherent Jewishness of retelling the story, <laughs> making sure nobody forgets, all the way back to the memorial stones, not saying live here, but when you pass by here, right. be reminded, going all the way up to the Holocaust, you know, remember, remember, I can... I can remember sitting down with Schindler Jews in, in Jerusalem and I'm mm. sitting across the table from Schindler Jews and I'm looking at Schindler's list and they're showing me their names wow. and their numbers. And I've got a one-on-one -on -one with these Schindler Jews and I'm, I'm saying, how did you deal with that? Like on the backside of it, how did you deal with revenge? How did you deal with anger and rage? And every single Jew that I have talked to personally that has come out of the Holocaust, say grandchildren, grandchildren, legacy. And then I would say, okay, well, what the story will continue to be told. Hmm. No one will forget. And I think in the midst of all of this, this retelling of the story has taken them all the way back. He's not rehashing anything. He's reminding them, listen, this isn't just something we're doing. We didn't just do these things. Hmm. It goes all the way back to the beginning. Things you guys know. Like, we're not talking about things you don't know. Right. We're talking mm. about Jesus as Messiah, but it goes all the way back to Abraham. Mm. It goes all the way back to Moses. It goes all the way back to everything that you have been taught. We're not tearing down what you've been taught. We are right. bringing revelation that that was all a foreshadow of what yeah. we're speaking about now. And so he's not necessarily rehashing. He's retelling the story to remind them, and he's almost building these living stones of belief and faith for them, right. hmm. that leads to Jesus. Because he goes on to say, he goes into the, to the death and the resurrection, which was a huge deal too, because even those that were believing Jews were denying the resurrection, that whole yeah. Sadducee mindset. And so he's just coming in here to, to bring some living stones to this. I love the fact that he didn't just cast out the demon and be like, peace out, I'm gone. It's like, <laughs> no, we're going to the synagogue yeah. <laughs> and we're going to teach this because you guys asked for it. Like, just like the woman, she invited yeah. you to speak. You weren't going in there going, hey, I'm Mr. Christian, everybody. I'm about to drop a hand. Yeah, I didn't even everybody. know what was going to happen. Right. right, you have no clue. She <laughs> was like, hey, you're a Christian. You tell me something. You know, let me mm -hmm. touch you. Or you, you call on your God, almost an Elijah on Mount Carmel moment, yeah. right? And so he was invited to speak. I, and I think sometimes that we as believers we take the invite on ourselves to invite ourselves into certain atmospheres mm -hmm. and we don't have the authority. That's mm. good. Like the public school right down the street from the healing place, I don't have authority to go in there and say whatever I want. That's I'm under their wow. covering. When I go there, they invite me there. Right. And if they go, hey, Scott, why don't you say this? Oh, that's so good. Just like I was invited this year, you mm. know, all the COVID stuff and I'm invited and the principal's like, pastor, I want you just to share and share, share a story, but also I want you to, what is the Lord saying? Wow. <laughs> I'm like, are you sure? Yes. I go in there, I, I tell a story about a kid and it was me and all this and how educators are so important and all this. And then at the end, I was just like pandemic or not, boom. And the whole room just goes silent and everybody's just standing there and you can tangibly feel the presence of God all over that whole place. And this is right before they're about to start a school year. But I didn't go in and do that because I was like, man, I'm going to go in there and tell them what's what. I was invited. I think it's so important that we realize that when we go to our job mm. places, we go to mm. wherever it is, the marketplace, 
that's not the church. Right. You know? And and when we're welcomed into somebody's house even and we're invited in, that doesn't give us the authority to do whatever we want. But if we have the invitation to then share, I believe that speaks more to the godliness and the power of the Holy Spirit than it does us taking some kind of authority or invite on our own. Right. Mm. And really, I think that's what's happening here is like he is taking the opportunity that he was invited into to go, okay, I think I'm going to go all the way back to the, hey, I'm in the synagogue. Let's right. talk about what they know. And then I'll drop some revelation knowledge on them yeah. about the death and the resurrection. I think it's amazing in this part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, um, the, I've been, as you've been talking, I've been just kicking around whether or not I should say what I'm going to say, but, <laughs> but um, uh, I mean this in the most encouraging way, really, is that although I'm all for Christians being involved with politics, you know, we're asked in our nation to be involved, sure. mm-hmm. right? So yeah. this is a little different than, than some of some scriptures that we hear, right? Like, you know, submit to those that are over you and, you know, because we're the over, Mm-hmm. Right, right, in our nation. It's a different mm-hmm. type of nation. So all through the Bible, there's over 600 different cultures represented. And, and the Bible's never trying to crush a culture. Mm-hmm. It's trying to work within a culture. Even when guys are in captivity, they're right. actually submitting, houses, and then God is plant. working. Yeah, right. build houses, have, yeah, families. They, have they, families. They, they grow. Joseph grows to be second in command. That's right. right. Not That's first. Right. That's right. Second, That's and right. yet God is still working mightily That's right. as him in second place, serving some unjust, ungodly Pharaoh, yep. right? So I believe in all that. But in our nation, we're asked to get involved. But if we're not careful, our Christianity becomes, in America especially, well, our whole job is to come together to then empower groups to legislate. <laughs> right. So that they, so we can't be shut up. So we can say what we want to say too. And all the, and again, I, I think I prefaced it well. We have that right. We're even asked to lead and to That's do right. our thing. So far, so good. But if we're not careful, we develop a Christian culture uh, that is, that we, where we don't respect. Yep. Yeah. We don't honor. We don't honor. Yeah. That's right. And so we've got to make sure, because out of that respect and honor, right. even if it's some demonic lady, she's inviting me to speak. Right. Yep. I never really saw it that way. Yep. But you're right. She mm-hmm. said, check your source. That's right. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Right? I didn't start yelling at her because right. I probably everything I said wouldn't have worked. And everything God gave me was simple stuff. Like you were living it? out a Carmen song, the witch's <laughs> yeah. invitation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah no, you that's true. Living out. But you know, <laughs> yeah, but uh, greater is he that's in me that's in you. That's not like a, a profound scripture, or you're not going to prosper from this time on. Not exactly that's a profound right. scripture. That's right. right. And the, uh, right, you know what I mean? That's right. And, and now I'm going to lay my hands on you and you're right. going to feel power. That's not profound. By the way, we just dropped a Carmen reference. So salute <laughs> to Carmen. Rest in peace, yeah, brother. Amen. 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 Good stuff. Um, so he goes on, and then I love it. Dallas, if you can pick up in verse 42, uh, because after he drops all this, we have this uh, amazing moment when they're coming out of the synagogue, Yeah, starting in verse 42. Absolutely. Verse 42. And they went out, uh, the people begged that these things might be told to them next Sabbath. Begged. Yeah. Like that verse right there. So what came out? I would to God. By the way, I hope they caught that on film. They probably didn't with the shot, but you slapped me on the leg on that one. <laughs> Bang! As one pastor to another, they were begging for the word. Hey, this, I would to God that Sunday at the Healing Place and Fearless House, yeah. that as we drop what we feel like the Lord has given to us, mm-hmm. that they run out of there begging that yeah. this go forth everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Like everywhere. We've got to tell everybody. Uh, that word begged even in the original language, takes that of pleading, yeah. pleading. Um, yeah, I just can't imagine people walking out of Fearless House or the healing place right. and just pleading yeah. that this would go forth. Absolutely. And I think some of that, that, that mindset, they're looking at them because they did it with respect, like what you said. And it's so contrary to the example we see what took place in the, um, the Gospels. Here uh, we see that... Um, Paul and uh, Barnabas, they've gone to the synagogue because it's what they do. They're Jews. They're going to the synagogue because it's what they're supposed to do, but they're being respectful to the guy who's teaching. Well, the example they saw previously from previous leaders was they interrupted the teachers, which wasn't necessarily uncommon, but we saw them interrupting Jesus when he was teaching in the synagogue, yeah. which was his right to do, being disrespectful, being dishonoring. Then they're like, hey, teach, man. It's cool. 
And now let us talk, let us ask questions. So, and that respectfulness, it opened the door for people to beg for more. And I feel mm. like that's something a lot of people are missing today. Mm. Uh, verse 43, and after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout con converts of to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. Verse 44, the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered <laughs> to hear the word of the Lord. How would you love the whole city to show up here yeah. for this? Wow. That'd be awesome. Man. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began mm. contra uh, to contradict what has, I'm sorry, was what was spoken by Paul. I can speak words of promise. Reveling them. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. Wow. Pastor, I know you have a lot to say about this topic right here. We mentioned yeah, this almost this is, every couple of weeks. Yeah, this is... Good news for me, though. I'm a Gentile. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is... Um, it's Even though I know the rest of the story, it's yeah. still heartbreaking Yeah, to even think of... Um, maybe the spirit of the elder brothers who are in our own churches mm. who have been there. And then the prodigals come in and they're like, what? Really? Mm. Yeah. Like you're going to honor them. You're going to open the door for them. I've been here the whole time. And I see that in, in the midst with the Jews, there's this envy, there's this. And then God's like, okay, like Holy Spirit's like, ah, this is going to the Gentiles yeah. because of your response. You know, this is for all people. And, I think that in the midst of this, where it's saying that when they saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and they didn't just contradict the teachings. They blasphemed. Yeah. Like imagine how hard your heart has to be. You're seeing God do this amazing stuff. You're mm. hearing these amazing words. And instead of thinking, wow, that's amazing. The word of God is going everywhere. It's like, man, these people are getting saved. <clears throat> your first thought is how dare they? Mm. Like, how dare they, how dare this happen? It's like, I don't know. I, I'm not going to go too deep. I know we need yeah. to close this out, but that <laughs> is just heartbreaking. Yeah, it That is. someone's heart would be so hard. How do you think they get there where their heart gets that hard? Yeah, well, I, if we bring it fast forward, I think that the, the, the worship of me, self, mm begins to lend towards that. I can do this. I can do that. I know we've talked about this Dallas a bunch of times and I've even done it. You've probably done it too. Yeah. We lay out the blessings that we receive from Jesus. I am blessed. I am this, I am this, I am this. And they put it in the refrigerator and all of a sudden they begin to believe it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not just I am blessed, but you get what I'm saying. They begin to believe I am, mm. yeah. <laughs> I am, I am. And when they asked John the Baptist who he was, they said, are you the Christ? And he says, I am not. Hmm. Well, are you the prophet? Well, Jesus even said he was the prophet, but John said, I am not. Well, who are you? I am but a voice. Yeah. Not even the voice. Mm. He didn't even say I'm the voice, although he was at that moment. What did Jesus say about John? There's not been one greater. Right. Mm. But even John says, I'm not. Right. Yeah. He found who he was and who he wasn't. Hmm. And I think for us in our current culture, we think more of terms of I am, I am, I am, rather than I am not. Like, wow. I am not. I am not. That's like when people tell <sighs> me, Mike, like, oh, you're such a good shepherd. I'm like, I'm not. Yeah. Like Psalm 23 is about Jesus, not people about People want me. their pastors <laughs> to be superheroes right now. Oh, Instead no of one of them who's called to be a voice. Let me just say this, and I know we've got to close up here pretty soon, but... Um, uh, I love it. What you said is so powerful. I, last Sunday, so just a couple days back, this is being pre-recorded, so I'm not sure when it'll show, but, you know, for anybody watching, just maybe a few weeks back at the very most, yeah. uh, I stood up and I just felt this kind of umption in me, you know. It was right after worship, you know, so I'm, I'm, I was worshiping and, you know, I caught up. The worship was amazing. I don't know if the band was good, but the worship was, <laughs> band was great. We have a great band, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can have sure. a great band and there's no spirit there. Right. Right. But I just was really feeling the presence of God. And I stood up and I, I call it a download, you know, where God downloaded something in me. It's the Seattleite in me, the tech in me. Yeah, yeah. And I just said, you know, guys, I have to say this. And, and I, and I kind of shrugged my shoulders. I said, you know, 
I know so many of you are used to pastors competing for your attention and for you to be here. But, but God is just telling me to say this, and I just have to say it this way. I, I just have to, you just have to know sometimes it's good that pastors aren't afraid of you. Because what I'm going to say, I'm going to try to say as kind as I can. Right. And so I said, you know, here's, here's the reality of when we come to church. There's a lot of things that happen. We hope you're ministered to. We hope people are saved. We hope people are served. We hope people's needs are met. We believe in all that. But the actual reason we come here is because we're able to gather corporately, and it's not about us. Yep. It's about him. That's right. right. And we're here to worship him and be in his presence because right. he desires that. Yep. He's invited us to his house right. so that we can do what we are called to do as believers, which is our eternal purpose, right. which is to worship our Savior, our Lord. And people began to stand up and, you know, I mean, it, was, it wasn't really a rebuke, but I didn't expect that response. <laughs> right. But I think there's a hunger of that's right. And then I just went on to say, because, and, and I know this is, again, hard in the world of, you know, like family first. Mm-hmm. You know, family first, that concept, yeah. that's, a, that's a brand that was created uh, in the homosexual world in America. Mm. Did you know that? Mm-mm. Yeah, uh, I think it was uh, Christianity Today did a good piece on it. And it was on be careful about the family first message. And uh, again, I'm for all people, gay, straight, whatever, to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, repent, and have a new life in him. Yeah. Of any, Because everybody's got issues. But this is an issue that's directly kind of counter, counterculture to God. Because God actually says, no, your marriage isn't first. I'm right. first. That's right. Your marriage is second. That's no, right. your kids aren't first. That's Sorry, right. I'm first. That's right. They're second. And the list goes right. No, your church isn't first. That's right. Yep. I'm first, it's second. And man's second becomes amazing. Yeah. If he's first. Because even in second, like God first, then it's actually me. He loves me enough. It's personal. It's me. Yeah. Because if I'm if I am not focused on him, I cannot be the husband I need to be for That's Tanya. Exactly right. Yeah. The girls, they're not three. <clears throat> Tanya's three. Right? Mm. The church isn't fourth. My kids. Now my grandchild is kind of overarching a lot of that. I'm just going to put that out there right yeah, now, right. y'all, because That's when funny. I look at him, it is over. Yeah. I am finished. That's I mean, my girls were priceless. But well, you I'm see just legacy you, like, no, oh, yeah. man, it, this thing's moving on beyond me. Like yeah. he's going to take this. Which is a God thing. And he wasn't raised up the way you and I were raised yeah. up. He's been raised up in the presence of God. Yeah. Like he's going to pass from that. from the womb. On. Yeah, 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 from the womb. And so when we talk about these things, and you're so right, is... You know, I, I forget who said it, but it was like two people are walking out of church one day and they're like, man, I just don't think worship was very good today. And the other person looks at him and goes, man, isn't it awesome that we weren't worshiping you today? <laughs> you know, I've never heard that. Line. It's That's like, a great one. wow, man. Down. It's like, yeah, no, yeah. we weren't here to worship you anyway. Like, yeah, right. You know, and so I, I just love how this chapter and we've we've. We've not gone, quote unquote, off script. Everything we've talked about leans right in with this chapter. And that's what I love about the word of God is that we can read in real time something that was happening in real time and we can apply it in real time to us right where we're living. So there are tons of principles that you guys can get out of this. And I hope you guys are kind of taking notes on this and and grabbing some stuff out of this. Dallas, let's just read the last two verses after the kind of envy They've stirred up all this stuff. Yeah, they've stirred some stuff. They're getting kicked out of the city. Verse 51. (laughs) But they shook off the dust from their feet against them uh, and went to Iconium, which shook off the dust, commandment of Jesus. And the disciples were filled with joy. Kicked out of a city, (laughs) filled with joy, (laughs) with the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's that is a, a, a mindset that I hope I can have one day. Absolutely. And I feel like that's what we all need to have. We, we suffer persecution. We're like, oh, goodness, the, the witches are having a convention in our neighborhood. Be filled with joy because Jesus is with us and he's going to, you know, no matter what happens, we're going to have hope. I love the fact because shake off the dust has, it becomes almost a verse of pride mm-hmm. and arrogance. Mm-hmm. Like pff, those people don't matter. That's not what God is saying in that. It's right. not a can- cancel culture. Right. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's because he goes on to say, shake the dust off and go in the joy yeah. with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so it's not an arrogance. It's not a pride. Hey, those people are that. It's not a denigrating. Of I those think people. they're just going, we know it's about ready to happen in the next city. That's right. <laughs> it's like, look what God is doing. Yeah. And I think even for them, their mindset was going towards 
back to the demonic being cast yeah. out. The people right. are believing. The synagogue is filled. People are declaring the word of God. The synagogue is filled the next week, and people are hungry, and God Boy, is moving. Boy, and isn't that also a testimony to their trust that the Holy Spirit is still working, even if they're not there? That's yep. right. They don't have to manipulate mm. the move of God. They nope. don't have to. I never, that's, that's good. They just kind of went, hey, God, it, God is moving. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't even yeah. focus on the negative things of the stirring up and all that. They yeah. didn't even focus on that. They were focused on, man, look what God did, yeah. where maybe me and my flesh, I would be like, man. Like, make it all about you. Like, come make it on, all about, yeah, man, like, really? Like, I'm, why, why didn't did they come back that. the next Sunday? Why didn't they right. come back the next Sunday? Why didn't they do this? And you rejected me? Yeah, why didn't they invite me <laughs> back? Like, what is going on? But I love the fact that they didn't demean the people they didn't demean the city either. Right. They just shook it off and went in the joy of the Lord, knowing that I'm not sure what God did, so but good. I know God did. Yeah. Going back to your story, you said, I don't know what happened in that place. I don't know what the fruit was of that, but I know that God moved. Yeah. You didn't have to know the fruit. You didn't have to know if the witch gave her life to Jesus or the booth next to her. You just know that God moved. You were obedient to do what God said, right. and then God's going to bless yeah. that. Exactly. So good. So good. <laughs> great job, Dallas. Yeah. Hey, this has been fun. It's been a great time. Uh, Mike, real quick, if somebody's in the McKinney area, how can they connect with Fearless House? Really easy. You know, we've got every social media platform that's just under Fearless House. If you just went Google Fearless House, there'd be more there than you want to uh, have in front of you. Videos and teachings and a million different things. And of course, we'd love to see anybody that wants to come and, and hang out with us on a Sunday. Um, and uh, we... We're making disciples here, so awesome. you know, we invite anybody. Anybody and everybody's welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, guys, we're going to have links for all that in the descriptions of our podcast if you're in the podcast feed. That means if you could connect with us here at The Healing Place and uh, The Midweek Move, check out The Midweek Move Facebook page. Just look for Midweek Move. Pop up real easily. Uh, but we want feedback from you guys. We want to know, what, you know where did this take, conversation take you? What are you thinking? What What is this stirred up inside of you? What's your next step, and how can we pray with you? Not for you with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, just reach out to us. You can email us, mediahub at thpstreetport.com, private message the page, or connect with our, our church, The Healing Place. Just look for THP Shreveport on basically every social media platform also <laughs> because that's how you do social media. So until next time, guys, have a fantastic week. Thank you.